I'm sitting here with two up-and-coming actors, Gabriella Marzetta and Adam Key, who are currently represented off-Broadway in Frankenstein at St. Luke's Theater. Um, I believe Adam is also doing Lily Marlene at yes. the St. Luke's. Yes. Uh, Same place. <laughs> and uh, they're here to talk about uh, Frankenstein a little bit, their careers. I imagine some advice for other actors looking to uh, make their way in the city. Probably have. <laughs> Quite a bit of advice. Yeah. <laughs> Between the two of us, I would say. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Doing fine. How are I'm you? Great. Good. Good, good, good. So the first thing I'm curious about Frankenstein that I really is interested in talking about the actors is, you know, the, with uh, the St. Luke's, I love their model, how they, you know, by doing, you know, one or two shows a week with the shows in their running and rep, they give shows a chance to get their legs and develop without being like here and gone in, you know, two weeks, like so many shows. But I imagine that there are a lot of challenges, you know, in terms of, like, changing cast members and when a show's only going up once a week. Um, so I'm kind of curious, the, the challenges as an actor doing this kind of schedule. Well, I, I think, uh, you know, with the, the script, it's, they're very open to changes in the script, but for the most part, you know, it stays the same. And every time you have new people come in, there's always the people who have been there. Obviously, the director and the playwright, but they're always the people who have been there and can kind of, you know, if you're standing in the wrong place, push mm -hmm. you to where you're supposed to be, and that. But just having that uh, that consistency throughout, and also having, like I said, the script that is open to changes, but there's also that that structure mm -hmm. that's always always there in place. So. Yeah. How do you, how do you rehearse into? Were you were you at the very start of your it? I was, yeah. I was um, an original cast member. I originated the part of Claire, who also plays, like, William, the young boy who, spoiler alert, gets strangled by the creature, <laughs> as does everyone, spoiler. pretty much. Um, <clears throat> so it's definitely been interesting being here from the very, very beginning of the process, because a lot of, I feel like most people who've come in have covered the Claire track, like the, mm. like, ensemble part. Right. Um, so I've gotten to be there, even as Elizabeth, because I play Elizabeth in this current run right now. So it's been fun not only seeing, you know, how the part has morphed, but, you know, him, I feel like you and I are, are the longest cast members right now. I, and I so, we, so yeah. we can, you know, be like, like you said, like, no, you're over there. Like, we've seen the parts evolve. So we know, um, we know, like, you know, how the show should be. So Yeah, how the, how the show, where people should be, their marks and everything. And, and as you just said, it's interesting to see how different people come in and the parts change. You yeah. know, they'll keep the basic... <laughs> The basic structure of it, mm -hmm. but there's just the interpretations change mm -hmm. a Definitely. little bit. So, I understand when you came in, you had a very short rehearsal period. Adam. <laughs> yeah, it was it was uh, very very short. Actually, it was about ten minutes. No, uh, it was, I mean, uh, <laughs> go here, go here, go here. Yeah, and, go on, you're on, yeah. you're on. And, and, uh, and what, what show is this again? What, what show? Uh, as a matter of fact, I think in the first, I think in the first show, the first performance. The, the opening song, we say, Victor's coming home again. And I think I actually said, Henry's mm. coming home again. And then I caught myself, and then I realized I didn't know what I was talking about. Or anything. But uh, no, that that, uh, that rehearsal period, like I said, I knew the director. I'd worked with uh, Clint, the director, uh, as an actor. And he was terrific about just 
telling me kind of exactly what to do, where to go, and that. And then just over time, especially over the first few weeks, I was able to find find the character, find more details and more subtleties. And so forth. Very specifically, how long was it from when you found out you were cast to going on? What, it was like a week and a half? Yeah, <laughs> yeah a week and a half, I think. <laughs> yeah. That was... Actors out there, get your chops up. But I had read the book, so uh, you know that, that's uh, helpful. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are the challenges of um, you know when a show is going up eight nights a week? Everything gets kind of into a very smooth running machine. And I'm wondering when it's once a week. Is it the same thing, or is it hard to you know jump back in every week? <clears throat> it's it's interesting because. I feel like the show would be completely different doing it eight times a week. Um, it is a very emotionally draining show and physically draining, right. I should say, yeah. too. Um, so it's, it's a blessing and a curse that it is only once a week because um, with doing shows, you know, day after day after day, you're able to find the character more. But it's also I've had more time, you know, outside of the show to really be, you know, really understand who Elizabeth is you know, read different things about, you know, what our character is and how it's evolved in different stories and different interpretations of Frankenstein. Um, <clears throat> but it also makes it more special that it's only once a week because you only get to do it once a mm -hmm. week. And it's such a pleasure not only to be, to get to perform in New York City, but to go, yeah. you know, off Broadway at an iconic theater such as the St. Luke's um, makes me at least cherish it way more and like give it my all for that one day a week. That we one have day a week, it. yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because, we both have done shows seven, eight times a week. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's, and probably most actors would agree, that once you get into a run seven, eight times mm -hmm. a week after a, a month or two or even a few weeks, you probably never look at, you don't even know where the script is anymore. Yeah. It's lost. <laughs> yeah. but, but this one, I mean, I find it very helpful to, you know, the night before the mm -hmm. performance every week, go back through the script and just get the thoughts in my head of, okay, what happens First, second, third, fourth, mm -hmm. fifth. Where are the set changes? Where does this song happen? And just kind of refresh myself right. because it's very, uh, it's interesting how the mind works if you're only doing it one time, yeah. exactly. one time a week. Uh, and doing that picture. also, it, um, it helps you discover more about exactly. the story itself. If you keep studying it, mm -hmm. like, you know, we, we know you've been in it for so long, but there's so much more to discover each time. It's such an iconic story. So, yeah, right. it's and, really cool. And as we said at the beginning, we've both been in it now for several months, and it's that's the thing that actors have to do with a long run, whether you're doing it eight times a week or once a week. You have to find the things that keep it fresh for you, because if it's not fresh for you, the audience not is fresh going to for be bored. Exactly. You know, and speaking of that, you know, especially with a long run, keeping it fresh, I feel like you know, do the type of New York runs, the commercial runs that are there, is something that I think you know when people study in college or wherever they're from. It's, I don't think it's anything anybody can adequately prepare, prepare for until they actually get a chance to do it. Exactly. Um, of keeping a role fresh for months on end. You know, exactly, and, yeah. And, and uh, you know, you study it in college and you might do four performances and then that's, yeah. that's the end. Three or four right. performances yeah. of, of the show and then that's the end of it. But, uh, you know, you, three or four years of the yeah. show is a, is yeah. a different story. Right. But uh, I don't know. I think uh, when we've talked about running things in rep, doing two shows mm -hmm. at a time, three shows, or doing something in summer stock is great mm -hmm. training and it's great experience because you're rehearsing one show while you're preparing another show and thinking about the third show and they're all going to be done <laughs> over the course of four months. 
And Mm -hmm. it's just getting the brain to work. We'll be right back to this interview after a brief word from our sponsors. Special thanks to our travel sponsor. Are you looking at majoring in theater for a career as a creative artist? I've created a program at the University of Providence in Montana that is designed to meet your goals. If you want to be an artist, you are an entrepreneur. And our BA in Theater and Business Arts is designed for you to learn essential business skills with classes specifically designed for theater artists. You'll also explore different artistic skills to help you develop your talents. And our productions are very student-driven, with a real focus on students creating their own work, so you know how to do that once you graduate. With a senior creative project of your choice and a business senior project of developing your own five-year business plan for your career, after graduation, you'll know exactly what your next steps are. UP also has some great programs like a four-year graduation guarantee and a student loan repayment assistance program. If you'd like to find out more, click on our sponsor link at broadwaybullet.com. Special thanks to our location sponsor. Writers need a full community of support in order to do their important work. That's where DGF steps in. The Dramatist Guild Foundation is a national charity that fuels the future of American theater by supporting playwrights, composers, lyricists, and book writers at all stages of their careers. They do this by sponsoring educational programs, providing emergency aid to writers in need, and offering a free rehearsal space where I recorded this episode. In April of this year, DGF launched its New Voices program, which brought trained teaching artists into fourth grade classrooms. These artists led the students in the collaborative creation of their own plays, which were then performed for the school by professional actors. It is crucial that young students are given proper access and training in theater to share their stories and learn the power of their own voices. If you'd like to help support DGF in fostering the writers of tomorrow, please visit dgf.org and be sure to follow them on Twitter at dgfound. Now, back to our interview in progress. Yeah. So, uh, as up and coming actors, what kind of and I mentioned these what was what are some tips and frustrations and stuff that you can share with actors who are like thinking, you know, I think I'm ready to move to New York and uh, and try my hand at an acting career. Right. <laughs> you should well, uh, talk to your parents, have them write you a twenty five thousand dollar check <laughs> immediately right before you, you leave. Uh, no. Uh, I mean, that'll get you to the, yeah, get, that'll, 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 that'll get you to the first week. Right. Cover the first week. Just just the food, but uh, it's okay. Right. Uh, Definitely. Like what I'm learning, I've been here for going on four years in the fall um, because I started school at Cap 21 in fall of 2014. And I was lucky lucky enough to, you know, come to New York and have a training program, Mm -hmm. you know, and have teachers and students who are like, you know, in this world, this Mm -hmm. city with me. Um, But one thing after, you know, being out of school and, you know, just being out here and auditioning, working my day job. What has like kept the passion alive is not only projects like this, but continuing to have a creative tribe that you can have creative conversations with. You can continue to create with. Um, I'm currently working on like getting. I just did hair in mm-hmm. Vermont, like I said, mm-hmm. and we're all back here. And of course, like we're the tribe still. Like yeah. what happens when you do hair? Like you're the <laughs> tribe forever. So um, we're working on like at least my idea is like to get. Um, all of us together get like you know a group of actors or people creative professionals who just want to get together like once a week and just you know like read through a play do like a performance art piece to talk you know write and then share your writings with 
with your with these people. Um, and that's the advice I've constantly been getting is to find that kind of creative tribe. And it can be anyone and just talking about art like anytime you can. And that just keeps it alive. And through that, you find connections and you find other people, other friendships. I mean, I, I was a server earlier this year and the amount of people and actors I met just by being a server who are now my friends and who I, you know, have opportunities with or I could have opportunities with and I go out and support them. They support me. It's just it's all about being an open book, not an open book yeah. per se, but being open with the connections that can happen in the city and just looking up on the subway and being like, what's that, dude? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and I think, yeah, having that uh, that tribe and just finding that creative outlet and realizing, I, I think there is a uh, a thing when you come into the, the city to be an actor, to be a writer, any sort of artist, you, you have a kind of an idea of what it's going to be like. <laughs> and that's great. You have to have goals and so forth, but you also have to take on sort of a pragmatic approach and say, okay, it's probably not going to work out exactly how I plan, be open to other <laughs> things, and find things that keep you going, that keep you excited. Because uh, uh, there are going to be a lot of times when you're auditioning, when you're not working on something and so forth. And in this business, just to be honest, it's very easy to get frustrated with uh, the artistic side of it, with the business side of it. But when you can find the things, find the tribe, find the, the creative outlets that can keep you excited and energized. Um, I, a few years ago, several years ago, I started doing stand-up comedy just on occasion yeah. when I can. And people have asked me, oh, you enjoy the, the creativity associated with this and that. And I said, no, I like being on stage and having people laugh at me. That's, that's, let's just be honest. I like that. It's fun and it energizes me. So, <laughs> so what are some ways, like, so that you've had, um, I know a lot of people have to deal with, uh, and I, I don't call it a backup job. I don't even call it a day job. The way I like referring it to it, and I actually founded a new program at my university of theater and business arts, you know, you're as an artist, you're an entrepreneur. And any business, right. like, Right. Average business takes seven years to achieve profitability, mm -hmm. you know, um, and actors can be, I think, you know, seven to ten years, you know, on the same thing. So I don't call it a day job. I call it how are you funding your business? I love you know? that. <laughs> I love that. Very good way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, as, uh, as I think you said, mm. it, it's finding any sort of creative outlet and any of them that are profitable mm -hmm. in terms of, of money. Uh, that's that's a great thing for for myself. I do, and I've been doing it ever since I finished grad school 15, 14 years ago. I do a lot of teaching work on the side. I do coachings, acting coachings, dialects, accents. Uh, I work for a studio right now in New Jersey, but I just I do a lot of teaching work on the side, and it's become sort of a you know a part time part time job mm -hmm. that is also connected to acting and what I do. Yeah, it's nice when you can find the thing that also combines and helps meet people and yes. keep your skills fresh. Exactly. And, uh... <clears throat> um, I'm a nanny. I'm a, okay. I work for about like 10 families throughout the city. Um, so that, that is very nice um, to, you know, feel like, I mean, I worked in a restaurant. I had to quit because, you know, that, that environment, I wasn't thriving in as a creative person. You know, I'm sure you meet a bunch of other actors who are also, you know, on the yeah. staff. But um, as a nanny, you get to create. You know, you get to create things with these kids. You get to 
be a part of these kids' lives. I obviously sing and dance with them all the time. <laughs> you know, I pull up my guitar and we we sing songs. Um, but it's also about like being my own boss, which is um, what acting is as well. So it's great practice working with these families, you know, and like having to negotiate and um, you know, I have I have these things I can <clears throat> excuse me that I can give these kids, you know, like who you know they can carry it with them their whole lives, you know, such as music and just like conversations that we have, um, but it's really helped me in this career, um, you know, like know my boundaries, know what I need, um, and it's helped me, you know, communicate with other business professionals because even though I'm working with families, it's it's a yeah. business. It's I'm I'm my own business, um, so that definitely helps with acting yeah, as well. Yeah, when you have base, and then I imagine that also lends a certain amount of flexibility for definitely, making auditions. Definitely, and that's also the main thing is you know getting to call them and be like, oh, this audition just came up. Is that okay? And any other restaurant, they'd be like, do you have someone to cover? Yeah. And be like, I'll try. And they'd be like, if you don't, you need to come in or you're fired. Yeah. So with, you know, Nanny, it's, it's a little more flexible. I'm sure teaching as well. It, yeah, it's, it's more flexible. They understand. It's, you're it's a, a human little more flexible. Yeah. And, uh, and, and with the teaching, I mean, I, I work for a couple of studios, mm. but then I also do a lot of private coaching. And yeah. when I first started doing that, like I said, whatever, 15 years ago, 14 years ago, it was one student. And then I get a call from another yeah. person. Oh, this person recommended you. And then yeah. it, three people and four people yeah. and five people. And then you just develop a list and you say, wow, there's 25, 30, 40 people on the list. And, and then you just, have, it becomes a, the business of then reaching out. Hey, we worked together a couple yeah. months ago. Would you like to get together again? Would you like a few coachings and that? Would you have any auditions coming up? And again, having it, something that is connected to what I do it's it energizes me I find that it really energizes me it keeps me going keeps me creative yeah I like finding these other options to point out to people because you mean everybody always says that stereotypical waiting tables but my thought is beyond what you said about schedule I mean and and I do know that a lot of restaurants in town are fairly flexible because of actors but at the same time I would think that would be exhausting it is you know that that maybe it gives you the money and some of the flexibility but I would think for a lot of people it also drains them and go nah I don't want to go out tonight and and go to you know this reading and meet somebody or I don't, you know I, I need to go home and rest exactly <laughs> right and you know I think taking advantage and being able to figure out what I think you mentioned it your what your limits are but also you know when when you can push yourself beyond beyond that limit and and I know that sounds very uh, like I'm running a a yoga studio or an exercise program, but uh, pushing yourself beyond your limit, I think, is uh, is very important as as an actor in the business, but also in the on the creative side. We we said you find different things to do with a character, and that's what the actor's job is all about: is just kind of finding. Okay, here's the limit. Now I'm going to go beyond that. I'm going to keep mm-hmm. pushing and pushing and pushing and going for it. What do you guys do yourselves to continue your own training and skills? Um, I'm always, you know, reading the collections of plays I have. Um, I take classes at Actors Connection, um, which I recently just discovered, but it's like the most amazing thing I've ever found. It's like, it can, like, I think the cheapest is like $35 a class, but you can network. It's like you have master classes with different casting directors, agents, um, like you name it. It's that has been something really cool I've been playing with um, the past, I guess, like the past season. Um, just like singing, taking voice lessons, keeping up on that. 
um, seeing shows, of course. I've, you know, every time you see a show, you're so re-energized, and you're like, oh, right, this is why I do what I do, because they're amazing. And at least, like, after I see a show, I am, like, on a creative binge for, like, days to weeks after, um, just so inspired by what I've just seen. So I think definitely investing in seeing shows around the city, not just Broadway. I mean, Broadway's yeah. great, obviously, because it's Broadway, but, I mean, <laughs> off-Broadway is, like, it's it's incredible because it, it pushes the limits of what, you know, they can't do on Broadway, and that that is so valuable, valuable to me as an actor, um, you know, doing stuff that's, or watching things that are uncomfortable to watch because... We need to push ourselves to do that as actors, you know, um, not just like, I mean, I love Broadway, but like, not just like the, like glamor of that. Yeah, it's, straight it's out of high school, I was that. auditioning for Juilliard and I knew it was yeah. mostly grad school. I wasn't really expecting to get in. I was mostly wanting the trip to New York and my mother was smart enough to not just let, let me go to just Broadway shows, but we saw small off Broadway shows. I saw like a class workshop production of Troilus and Cressida that was, Ooh, you know, amazing. the end of the thing, which was, you know, so it was just it was so eye-opening to see all the different, you know, spectrum of theater. Because I still think so many people out there think all theater in New York is Broadway. Exactly. <laughs> it's not. It's really not. Um, I just went, I was invited to an open class this past week led by Indevere Smith. And it was like this performance art, like class that had been going on at NYU. But it was like their end of the year class. It was an open performance. Um, and that really opened my eyes because... I mean, it wasn't musical theater. It was people putting on these, like, it could be physical pieces or, po you know, poetic pieces of just, like, you know, parts of their lives. And it was just so in your face. And some of them were uncomfortable to watch. Some of them, we were all crying. Some of them, this girl was literally eating a raw onion yeah. as if it was an apple, like, so <laughs> yeah. performance arty. Yeah. But, like, that, it's, like, as silly as that sounds, it's so inspiring. Like, human life is art. And also why it's so important to look up when you're on the subway, yeah. to look up and like interact with the people around you because there's a character right in front of you and you're yeah. missing the opportunity to study that person. There are tons of characters exactly. in New York. In it's your fascinating. Like New York is a, free, is a free acting class. You just <laughs> let it happen. If you walk around and observe what's happening around you, yeah. it's, it's fascinating. The most fascinating people in the world live here. It's a free acting class, but if you call it an acting class, it's two hundred and seventy-five dollars. <laughs> exactly. <a year>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and there are big people out there. One one kind of trend I see a lot recently, I think, you know, as film becomes more and more pervasive, and I think recently some film, the understated, has become you know the real norm. That I see, you know, so many actors that are afraid to create big bold characters, like that's not real. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Right. And I'm like. You think about it. You know friends and family. You know you know people that you see that are big, bold, absolutely real characters. Yeah. No, don't be afraid to. <laughs> you know, and I, I think there's a there has been a trend, and hopefully it it kind of reverses. But I think it's a trend a little bit in the acting community, and and uh, especially in in culture, we kind of forget about history a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, I think right now culturally. We're, we're kind of being slapped in the face a little mm -hmm. bit, and we're starting to go back and, and observe history, look at history, read about history, and figure things out. But I'm, I was amazed because so often I talk to actors of our generation, and I'll say something about, for instance, you know, Orson Welles, mm -hmm. or some, I'll mention Orson Welles or Citizen Kane, and they, oh, I've, I've never seen that. Is mm -hmm. it any good? And I say, How, what do you mean? You've, I, I, don't, I don't understand mm -hmm. that, you know? And I think going back and looking at 
films and theater over the course of history, looking at people like James Cagney and Orson Welles, and, uh, Jack Lemmon, Gregory Peck, uh, Betty Davis, these people, and seeing how acting has evolved, but also the consistencies, how it has remained the same over the years. People who were not afraid to be real and be themselves, but also weren't afraid to push that envelope and be big. Yeah. So, so do you have any, you don't, definitely don't want you to name names, there's the big, <laughs> but I'm curious, do you have any kind of, kind of horror stories or advice of things to people to watch out for when they are uh, <laughs> n new and pursuing theater here? Definitely don't spend a big chunk of change on acting classes. Definitely, if, I think it's usually like on backstage or, you know, websites like that where right. people can reach out to you and kind of try to convince you to take this class where you're like, I haven't really heard of this or these people, but like, you know, they try to really like push it for you. Um, I'm, I'm trying to be really vague because I'm thinking yeah. of a specific thing that happened to me. Just be careful and research if people reach out to you, especially on backstage and I those kind least, of websites. My personal advice, one of you agrees. Don't take a class because they're promising contacts. Oh, definitely. Oh, take a class Absolutely. because you definitely. want to learn what they have to teach. That's a big mm -hmm. one. Yeah. That's like that that will happen. Contacts and networking will happen if it's meant to happen, but yeah, no, you have to do it because the class appeals to you, because the things in the description are things that you feel like you need as a performer. It fits your price range. Mm -hmm. Um, of course, it is good to invest right. in those classes. Right. Like, that is something you sh really should be saving up for. Um, but definitely, you know, just keep an eye out about who they are, like, who is handling the class, you know. And, and I think always be, and I, I know, again, I'm going back to a kind of a vague statement, but you have to be true to who you are as an artist. Mm -hmm. And as much as you have to also kind of, at times try to fit into what people want, the typing and typecasting and so forth. You also have to always maintain who you are and what you want to do and your truth as an artist and not allow casting directors, not allow agents and so forth to say, no, 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 I, what I need you to do is dye your hair, shave your head, uh, lose 15 pounds, and do this, and do this, and do this. And also, by the way, uh, stop acting like that. Don't behave like that. Be this type of change of personality. Mm -hmm. Change, and they say, okay, whoa. No. Why don't you find that person? Yeah, well, find that person, and <laughs> yeah. why, are you, why are you talking to me? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, and, and there, there is an element of, okay, if you're going in for this type of part, you, you have to yeah. adjust. You have to make adjustments. But you also have to realize, you know, no, what I'm doing what I do is enough, and if I'm solid in my own craft and in my own technique and everything like that, it's enough. And you just have to, again, push it to the, the limit and go slightly beyond and challenge yourself. It's not about other people challenging you or you challenging them. It's about you challenging yourself and adjusting yourself to what you want and what you want to do. Definitely. Especially with, you know, if representation... Um, like if someone reaches out to you or you find someone, um, really research that person too. Because I had, after my school showcase, I had like a horror mm -hmm. story kind of happen where this person reached out and had looked them up and they seemed, they seemed pretty legit. And then I get there on time for the meeting and I wait an hour and a half because there are 
without me knowing, there's like a line of other <laughs> students we called in all at the same exact time, yeah. the same meeting, and he had like this little practice room at the studio I'd never been to before. And I get to the meeting, and he, he just like you know he won't like hear anything about like who I am. And then I get an email after, and he's like, "I would like to sign you, blah blah blah." And I was like, "I don't, you don't know anything about me." Um, basically, and it basically just ended like, like he was like, I hope you don't have a nice day today. Like things like that. So just be careful for like those kind of people, because, um, there are like a lot of prospective managers and great agents out mm -hmm. there, but definitely don't sign with someone just because it's representation because yeah. it's not mm -hmm. the most important thing. Like, I'm really not. skeptical of all the schools that do those. Oh, we're going to take you to New York and do a showcase at the end yeah. of the year and agents are going to come. Like, well, it's great. Yeah, yeah. It's great to show yourself, yeah. and it's great for them, you know, for you to get your foot in the door, and for them to recognize you, especially mm -hmm. casting directors. Um, if you walk in the room, they're like, "Oh, I recognize you. You saying that cut of blah 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 at your showcase." If they remember that, which is very rare, but definitely, I mean, signing with an agent who's not going to work you, who you know, who's just mm -hmm. maybe they might you know submit you for a couple things right away to see if like a lightning shot hits, exactly. You know? And if right. it doesn't, then you're stuck with an agent who's not doing your stuff and i think that happens to a lot of those especially you know, with non-union people. people and it's not our fault it's yeah. just you know that it's so hard to get noticed when they're submitting you your little pictures in a sea of like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds so it's not it's not if you're talented or not and if you have an agent or not and they're submitting you and you're not getting work it's not because of your talent yeah. it's because this industry is cutthroat yeah. and it's also not the most important thing i mean there are great websites like actors access mm -hmm. backstage right. Playbill.com, where you you can get that own information, show up yourself, oftentimes get appointments online. Um, but yeah, a lot of people come to the city thinking that like they must find representation or they're going to fail, yeah. and it's simply not the case. It will come when it's meant to, but you can't just like do not just sign with someone yeah. because you, there aren't you want someone. Shortcuts to the relationships. Exactly. Beyond that, people don't get it. It's about relationships. It really is. is. You know, it and really and is. an agent who signs you off right away without even having really met it doesn't have that connection to you to really. Exactly. Know, really and then they're going to be sending you in for the wrong things. They won't know who you are. And it's just going to be this whole kerfuffle. Exactly. And, kerfuffle. and, you know, it's interesting because you're talking about union and non-union stuff. We have, of course, the Screen Actors Guild. There's mm -hmm. Actors' Equity, which is uh, theater and that. And they're what's called sister unions, where mm -hmm. if you're in one and you get a certain number of points and yeah. uh, uh, waivers and mm -hmm. so forth, you can join the other one yeah. without having... Any experience, and I would advise actors coming out here not to go the the route of okay, I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to get my three or four SAG waivers mm -hmm. from doing extra work, and then I'm going to just join Actors Equity yeah. so I can get into those big union auditions. Yeah. And then they're going to yeah. look and they're going to say, "But you don't have any experience. theater yeah. experience right. or credits, you know? You don't." So and then you're, you're uneligible to take the smaller gigs you're that exactly. get the experience. You're stuck. And so joining, you know, joining a union is great if you have the experience and the credits and so forth. But just like signing with rep representation, don't join a union just to say, "Oh, I'll, I'll get in. The, that'll get exactly. me in, and everything will be fine." It it can actually work against you. So you have to be Definitely. very careful and have have those credits, have the experience. Uh, Resume, headshot, and that's another one. Uh, yeah, headshot. You know, make sure you make sure you shop around because there are a lot of a lot of photographers out there. A lot of some great, are better than others. great yeah. photographers yeah. here, and for not, you know, they're they can range from like two hundred to like you know like almost two thousand. But you mm -hmm. don't have to be spending a buttload on headshots yeah. each time. Right. There are a lot of 
Well, like, I see way like, too many people that do think their headshot is supposed to be a glamour shot, and then yeah, no. make it look <laughs> no, like you. It's yeah. Not. Exactly, yeah. it needs to look like you. I mean, I'm reading Jenna Fisher's new book. Um, I think it's called Actor's Life, and it's said in there. It's like you. I mean, it's stuff that obviously we already know, but it's cool to read it from mm-hmm. you know a celebrity. Yeah. She's like, you need a headshot that not only is you, but like it sticks out of a yeah. pile of. They're flipping through headshots really quick as they do. Yours needs to stick out and look like you. Like, and she, she, she even said, like, when you get your headshots taken, do not ask your friends, do not ask your family, yeah. your boyfriend, people who love you. Ask colleagues, ask yeah. teachers, ask people on the street. Which one, like, which one do you like? Which is weird. Like, I've never gone up to a stranger yeah. and been like, hi, like, which headshot of mine do you like? Yeah. I probably wouldn't do that. I'd probably do it with like colleagues. But I mean, that it's it's such a good point because. Um, the people who are casting and looking through the headshots, they don't know you, but you need that shot, you know, that, that looks like you and pops out. Um, but it doesn't need to cost, like, $12,000. Yeah. You know. There is a whole industry, not, not just in theater, but in, in music and everything else. It just thrives on profiting off of artists' unrealistic dreams and shortcuts. <sighs> Like right. just, you know, yes. thinking that there's a sh- big magical shortcut. There are no shortcuts. <laughs> I would have found it already if there is one. <laughs> yeah. There is not. <laughs> no, and you know, and I, I think uh, when you come to this city, and that, as we were talking about before, there are so many acting teachers, acting classes, and then I think it's it's very important for actors. Again, going back to the kind of staying true to the craft and so forth, it's very important to always be aware of. Uh, writers, be aware of plays, read plays, read things by writers, see new stuff, get involved in readings, and and be aware of the, all the different uh, people who over the course of history have taught acting. Uh, you know, Stella Adler, mm-hmm. Lee Strasberg, mm-hmm. Sandy Meisner, and just be aware of these different approaches and techniques and for yourself start to develop, okay, what is it that I, what is my technique what is my craft and, and stay true to that right. uh, and always go back and try to enhance that and and, uh, and then pass it along to others if you if you teach others if you coach others you have to articulate the process to them mm-hmm. you can't just well here's what I would do yeah. you articulate what an approach to take a possible approach and then you articulate another possible approach and then you help them kind of sharpen their own yeah. Well, it's been wonderful getting a chance to talk to you guys. Gabriella Marzetta and Adam Key, currently in Frankenstein off Broadway at the St. Luke's, and uh, other things coming. Lily Marlene uh, for Adam, and um, other things in the future. Thanks so much for talking about the show. Thank your you. thoughts about the, the highs and lows of <laughs> acting in New York, and good luck in your careers. Thank you, Thank you so, so much. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it.